You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Introducing the Mike Moore Ministries mobile app, your gateway to spiritual inspiration and godly leadership. With a host of practical features, it's like having a personal spiritual guide in the palm of your hand. Watch and listen to the How to Win podcast, get exclusive early access to the Answers That Work broadcast before it airs on television, receive uplifting and thought-provoking nuggets, and stay up to date with Mike Moore's speaking engagements through an interactive calendar. To download, visit your device's app store and search Mike Moore Ministries. Are you ready to break free from the chains of anxiety, stress, and depression? Mike Moore, author and founding pastor of Faith Chapel and host of the How to Win podcast, is here with his new book, Help, My Mind is Under Attack. Learn how to overcome attacks on your mind and live an emotionally healthy life. Embark on your journey to complete mental health and emotional peace. Pre-order your copy now. The book releases December 5th. Available as ebook on Amazon and paperback on Mike Moore. More.com. Help. My mind is under attack. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, Now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. I am teaching a series that I'm entitled that I'm entitling taking advantage, <coughs> pardon me, taking advantage of your advantage. And the theme of this series is uh, the advantage that believers, you and I have, uh, when dealing with the death of loved ones. We have an advantage. Believers have an advantage. The word advantage means an upper hand. It means having an edge. It means a better or dominating position. The scripture never promises us that we won't have challenges and we won't have problems and we won't have death. We won't experience it. It doesn't promise that. But it promises that we always triumph in Christ. That's why I never get tired of quoting 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. And that's even in the death of a loved one, a significant loved one. I want to talk about a, a, a subject today that I believe is going to be very good for you. And I know that the Spirit of God shifted me over into this area because of you. He shifted me over in this area because he wanted to prepare you. Let's talk about adjusting to the new reality. Adjusting to the new reality. It's an adjustment when a loved one dies. Oh my goodness, it is a, an adjustment. In the early 1980s, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said that the word of God is the answer. So all of these podcasts, whether it be a leadership podcast, whether it be on just different kinds of subjects, 
I believe that there are principles in God's word that we can draw from and embrace in our life, incorporate in our life, and it causes us to win in life. So I want to go to the scripture. We're talking about adjusting to the new reality. The historical context of the verses that I'm going to read to you has to do with David, the king of Israel, and his situation, his affair that he had with Bathsheba. Bathsheba was married to a man named Uriah. Uriah was a a soldier in David's army. David committed adultery, had an affair with Bathsheba, Uriah's wife, and, and, and she became pregnant. And to cover it up, David, uh, through deception, had her husband killed. He later married her, and uh, she gave birth to a baby. The baby got sick and eventually died. So the, the, the context is this baby that David and Bathsheba had out of an illicit relationship is very sick. And David loves this baby, even though the baby uh, was produced out of an illicit relationship. It wasn't the baby's fault. You understand what I'm saying? So the baby's innocent. And he had this love for this baby. He's praying for the baby to live. Verse 18 through 20 says, Then on the seventh day the child died. David's advisors were afraid to tell him. Uh, They said he wouldn't listen to reason why the child was ill, they said. What drastic thing will he do when we tell him the child is dead? So they're thinking, this guy, talking about the king, he could very well take his life. We don't know what to do. He, he wouldn't listen to us when, when the child was sick. Now that the child died, I don't want to go and tell him. Now watch this. When David saw them whispering, he realized what had happened. And he asked this question, is the child dead? And they replied, he is dead. Then David got up from the ground, washed himself, put on lotions, and changed his clothes. He went to the tabernacle and worshiped the Lord after he returned to the palace and was served food and ate. Now, I, I, I skipped some verses. Because there was a change that David made. He was on the ground weeping and crying and literally begging God uh, for the child to, to live and the child died. And then he got up and he went and took a shower and lotioned down and changed his clothes, went to church, went to uh, the temple and worship, and then he went home, and the servants were absolutely amazed. They said, now, what happened? I mean, you wouldn't listen. You wouldn't eat when a child was sick. 
you spent all this time on the ground praying, but the moment your child died, you, you shifted gears. And David said to them, while the child was alive, there was hope of the child <laughs> recovering. So I prayed. I wept. I fasted. But once the child died, then I knew that the child wasn't going to go back. But he said, I can go to the child. He wasn't talking about suicide. He was talking about in death. He felt he would meet his child again. So we're going to talk about adjusting to the new reality. Um, and I like to introduce this lesson by sharing some inevitable realities. Everything pertaining to the earthly realm is subject to change whether we like it or not. None of our relationships on earth are permanent because some of us will leave sooner than others. So physical death is an inevitable reality. And if Jesus tarry, every person will die physically. So death introduces us, you and I, and maybe you're experiencing this right now. It, death introduces us to a new reality, and that reality is change. That new reality is change. And change is difficult. It's difficult. It's difficult. I shared a, 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 a series in the church that I pastored years ago. The Spirit of God led me to do a series entitled Weep Not. We eventually turned it to a book. But when I was teaching that series, the members were listening. But many of them were not at that moment dealing with the death of a loved one. But as time went on and, and different one had the experience of, of losing loved ones, they would say to me, Pastor, that book helped me. That series helped me. I, 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 I listen, but it's real to me. Well, you know, death introduces us to a new reality. And it, it's one thing to listen and not be dealing with it. It's another thing to go through the experience and you will see that change is difficult. Why? Because when change comes, normalcy is lost and things are different. Now let's pause there for a moment. When change comes, Normalcy is lost. In other words, what was normal? The normal routines, the normal interactions with the person who died, it is lost. Things are different. 
I remember when my mother-in-law died and every Memorial Day, my wife is from Kentucky, every Memorial Day we would go to Kentucky and, and visit my wife's parents. And we knew the routine. When we got up on Friday, that we were going to have fish. She would fry some fish. The next day, they were going to barbecue. And the next day, Sunday, she will have this big old meal. When she died, we still went up on Friday, but it felt different. We still ate barbecue, but it just was different. We still had a big meal on Sundays, but the whole thing, the environment, the, the, the feelings that we all experienced, it was different because her mother was not there. So when death takes place, it introduces us to a new reality. That new reality is change, and change is difficult because when change comes, normalcy is lost and things are different. The new reality is that the person that we love, the person that we knew will no longer be there for us to have physical contact with and fellowship. And that is difficult. It's like having this big, beautiful puzzle. And it's completed. And you can see, you spent all this time putting this puzzle together. And you put it in a frame and a big piece of the puzzle right in the middle of the picture falls out and it's lost. And then you look at the puzzle, still beautiful, but there's a big piece missing. That's the new reality. So since that's the new reality, we have to adjust, and that's what we're talking about. We're talking about adjusting when that big, wonderful piece of the puzzle is no longer there. So how do we adjust to the new reality? See, I pastored for 42 years experienced a lot of funerals, uh, preached a lot of eulogies, comforted a lot of families. And I know that adjusting to this new reality of death is a process. And so the rest of the way, I'm not trying to give you a formula. I don't think this comes first, this comes second, this, do this. No, no, I'm not trying to give you a formula. I just want to give you some insights because it's going to be a process. So this process will involve knowledge. You got to have Bible knowledge. That's why we're teaching this series taking advantage of your advantage so you can have Bible knowledge. Second, it's going to take dependency. You're going to have to depend on the Holy Spirit like you've never depended on him before. Number three, it's going to take time. It's going to take time because you're reorganizing your life. Remember, normalcy is law, so you're going to be reorganizing your life. It's, a, it's something 
It was something when my dad died. He's no longer there. It is something with my mother died. She's no longer there. I cannot have personal contact with her again in this life. We know the hope is that we will see them again. But in this life, it's different now that mama's not there. It's different now that dad's not there. It will be different if your spouse is not there, your, your husband is not there, your wife is not there, your children is not. It's going to be different. And it's going to require you reorganizing your life and, and the time of the adjustment, because it's going to take time, depend on different factors. So some people adjust quicker than others. I'm, I'm married, so I can speak to marriage. Marriage is a partnership. So sometimes... Depending on the nature of your relationship, there will be dependency issues, identity issues, companionship issues, personal makeup issues, knee issues. Let's unpack this for just a moment. I'll use the analogy of a married couple, but it applies to other situations depending upon the nature of the relationship. But when you're married, there are dependency issues. Your spouse dies, and how much did you depend on each other? There are natural emotions because now you're forced to do things that your spouse did, and your spouse may have been more proficient at that thing that you're trying to deal with. Dependency issues, identity issues. The goals and the dreams of married couples are merged. They're merged. The title that they have is married. They fill out forms and they, they tell, what is your status? Married. But now that person dies, so what is your status? Single. Ooh, that's an adjustment. Especially depending on the nature of the relationship and the longevity of the relationship, then there are uh, identity issues like who am I now? What does it mean to be single again? Companionship issues, making it through the loneliness. My wife and I, we do everything together. We do everything together. We decide on what we're going to do. We decide on what we're going to eat. We decide on what we're going to go to vacation. Those issues now totally different. It will be totally different for people when they go from being married to be single. And then whether you're single or married, you have a loved one to depart, they're going to be personal makeup issues. Some people are introverted. And they enjoy being alone. Some people are extroverted. They like to have people around them. Some people in their marriages are connected to other people. Like my wife, she has friends. She has groups. I got people that I may hang out watching a football game. I'm not hanging out with her. But some married couples, they do everything, everything, and they don't have anybody else that they connect with. So if one person dies, man, they really are, are by themselves. Oh, my goodness. And maybe you have a small family, and if a person died, brother, sister, whatever, it boy, that's really challenging. There's need factors. People have different needs. 
That's why men tend to remarry quicker than females. A man will have the death of a spouse, and he may marry six months later or a year later, and everybody all upset about it. Maybe he had a different need. And then a female may take long, and especially if she loved her husband, she may never get married again. She just may take longer. Different people have different needs. We're talking about adjusting to the new reality. Let's see some things from David's response. His baby died. Let's look at some things. And when I meditated on this, I got three key words, decisions, regret, and acceptance. Say that. Decisions, regret, acceptance. Come on, say it one more time. Decisions, regret, and acceptance. Let's talk about decisions. Making positive decisions is critical to adjusting to the new reality. So David decided to get up. That's a critical decision because you can stay down. You can decide that you're going to stay down. It's one thing to be knocked down, and it wasn't your fault that you were knocked down. It wasn't your fault that the person died. It wasn't your fault. But you have a choice to stay down or get up. David decided to get up. David didn't try to handle the situation by himself. The Bible says he went to uh, the temple and he went home and he allowed the servants to feed him, prepare a meal for him. David decided to not try to handle the situation by himself. And I tell people that all the time. Let people help you. Don't try to handle the situation by yourself. And then a third decision, David ran to God. He went to the house of worship. He went there. I tell people all the time, go to God, run to God. When my parents died, I went to church. So many people, they don't want to go to church. They want to stay at home. And, you know, and then everybody's coming in and everybody's sorry. No, 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 no. I went to God. You go to your word. You go to prayer. I tell people all the time, we had um, uh, in our campus, our, our Columbus campus, just a few weeks ago, a mother lost a child, and that Sunday she was at church in the presence of God, listening to the word, where believers can surround them. There's something about going to God. David got up, and he went to church. He went to the temple. He decided Fourthly, to return to life. He went home. He decided, uh, uh, he decided to return to his regular activity. You see, life is going to keep going. I mean, it's just the way it is. And you can decide to jump off the boat and, no, and live no more, or you can decide to engage life again. And the Holy Spirit, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. He's there to strengthen you. He's there to help you. We're not talking about willpower. We're talking about dependency on the Holy Spirit. So there are decisions that you're going to make. I got that from that text, from David's experience with the loss of his child. Then there's regret issues that may or may not need to be resolved. Regret is looking back and wishing you had done things differently. 
It's looking back and wishing you had done things differently. Even though my mother loved me and she thought I was the greatest thing, I made her proud. I know I did, but there were times she said, Mike, you need to call me a little bit more. You need to call me a little bit more. And I was so busy and Pete, my wife would go by there and check on her, stuff like that. And I could have called her a little bit more. But she, I, she know I love her. She loved me. She's my biggest fans. And when she died, I thought, there wasn't much she was asking me to do. It really wasn't. And I was feeling some regret, you know, looking back and wish I had done something differently. How do I resolve the regret issue? There are two ways to resolve the regret issue. Number one, you have to choose to forgive yourself. If there were some things that you didn't do right, okay, it's counterproductive to just stay there. No, you have to choose to forgive yourself. Think about it. David had a lot of regrets. He was in an affair with a man's wife. The woman got pregnant. Uh, her, she, he had her, her husband killed, took her wife, married her. The child died. So he's dealing with all these regrets. You know what I mean? I should have. I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I hadn't done that. And maybe that's where you are. No, you have to forgive yourself. It's just as wrong to hold forgiveness against your yourself as it is to others, or you resolve it by resting in the fact that you did your best. Maybe you're not even dealing with that. I was talking to some per one person. They were so close to their loved one. They was always there, so supportive. And I said, one thing you and I have to deal with is regret. And they said, no, I have no regrets. So if you did your best, you rest in the fact that you did your best. Now, here's a little thing I want to share with you. The way to live a regret-free life is to focus on the moment and steward it well. Remember, relationships are not forever. I know we feel like they're forever. I know we want them to be forever, but they're not. And there's no promise in the Bible that they will always be there. So focus on the moment. Stay in the moment. Steward it well. Give your very best in your relationships. And then you can live a, a, a regret-free life. How do I adjust to the death of, of a loved one, to the new reality? A third thing is acceptance. Come on. Come on. This is the last thing. Acceptance. Come on, say acceptance. Come on, say acceptance. Come on. Give me a few minutes. I know I'm over my time now, but give me a few minutes. Acceptance is the embracing the inevitable. Embracing the inevitable. So what is acceptance? Acceptance is embracing the fact that life will be different. You can try all you want to keep it the same, keep the bedroom the same, keep the closet the same, continue to wear your wedding ring. And I'm not saying it's sin. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. But I'm saying I don't care what you do. Life is going to be different. And acceptance is embracing the fact that life will be different. Acceptance, listen, you can't see the person. You can't talk to the person. Don't try. I said, don't try. Well, I talk to my dad. I talk to my mama all the time. No, that's, that, that's unscriptural. 
you will invite a familiar spirit. A familiar spirit is a demon spirit that will masquerade as your loved one. No, don't try to talk to your loved one. Don't try to see them. Talk to God. Talk to God. You can't see the person. Acceptance is embracing that. You can't talk to them. It's embracing that fact. Uh, embracing the fact that you can't have a conversation with your dead loved ones. Embrace that fact. That's acceptance. Refuse to change things around the house. Embrace the fact that you can keep the things the same, but the person not there. And accept the fact that life will be different. Acceptance is a decision to give up old routines and traditions unique to the departed loved ones. Okay, there's nothing wrong with having a tradition. Around Thanksgiving, y'all get together. Uh, Christmas, y'all get together. Certain holidays, y'all get together. Nothing wrong with continuing to do that. Nothing wrong with that. But in those traditions, don't try to duplicate everything that your mama did, your daddy did, and all that. Come up with some new traditions. Come up with some new things that you you can do because you're not going to be able to duplicate it because that person, your mama, your daddy, whoever, that person played a key part in that being the way it was. Continue to gather. Keep going. You can do that. You can keep that tradition going, but try to come up with some different things that you you do. Don't try to duplicate it because you're going to leave there feeling like it's not the same. Well, that's acceptance. It is not the same. Be open to new opportunities that that change will bring. That's what acceptance is. Listen, we're moving from summer to winter. Now, I can say, I don't don't want winter. I, I deny you winter. I just deny you. I bind you. I will not accept winter in my life. No, no. Winter is coming and winter will be different from summer. Now I can still try to wear shorts and flip flaps and, and all those kinds of things in winter. And I'm going to freeze to death, but there are some opportunities for winter that summer doesn't offer. I can wear my sweaters. You can wear your boots. You can wear your furs. See, there's opportunities. So acceptance is staying open, being open to opportunities that change will bring. Now, remember this as I close. Change creates both an ending and a beginning. So you don't want to just focus on the ending. Change always brings a beginning. Asking the Spirit of God, what is this new life like? Because you have hope of being happy. You can be happy in the new. In fact, you can put your puzzle back together and put other pieces to fill in the gap. Put other pieces to fill in the gap. Put some other pieces in there to fill in the gap. You can be happy in this new reality. God wants you to be happy. He wants you to be, and and especially if your loved one was saved, they dancing on streets of gold. The Bible said they gained. The Bible said they far better. 
and you choosing not to be happy when they are the happiest that they could ever be. So remember that David said, I cannot, the child can't come back to me, but I'll go to the child. He's putting it in an eternal perspective. Listen, I got to go, but I trust that something has been said that will make a difference in your life. I have one more lesson to share. One more episode is going to be a good one. My last episode will be entitled, Your Life is Not Over, A New Life Awaits You. Your life is not over, a new life awaits you. Listen, I pray that you have a great rest of the week. Go back to MikeMoreMinister.org, pull up these, or YouTube, pull up these, these episodes, get it down in your spirit, and I pray that the Spirit of God bring great comfort, and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Pray this, pray this right now. Dear God, I believe you sent Jesus to die for me. I invite you, Jesus, into my heart, and I confess you, Jesus, as Lord of my life. If you pray that prayer, you are born again. Search around, find you a good church that will teach you God's word. And I'm a member, and my pastors, Michael K. Moore and Faith Chapel, is a great church, and we would love to have you as a part of the church at Faith Chapel. Listen, I got to go. Look forward to seeing you next time. Have a great week.